Hey, City Hills Church, Daniel Floyd here from LifePoint Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm so honored to be able to share God's word with you today. I love your pastor, Pastor Mitch Rose, love your church. Just everything that you're doing in this season, serving the needs of hurting people, caring for one another, being faithful in your giving, faithful in staying connected. I just am so just impressed and, and so encouraged that there are churches like yours that are making a difference all over Texas, all over the country, literally around the world. And uh, it's just people like you that are making such a big difference and, and helping people in a time of crisis, in a time where they are in need. And it's when the church really shines the brightest. And I just thank God that you're shining in such a powerful way. I'm excited for you to hear this message today, when Jesus shows up. And I don't know about you, but we're in a season, and, and I wouldn't say just in the middle of a pandemic and all that is going on in the world, but every day we need Jesus to show up in our life. And so I hope that you'll lean into God's word today. I hope that you'll get something out to write with. I tell our church, if you're a note taker, take notes. If you're not, take notes anyways. And so I want to encourage you to, to write some things down. And I just pray that you'll allow this word to get into your heart and that it'll really change your perspective and build your faith today so that you can step into everything that God has for you. It's an honor to be with you today. Let's get into God's word. Hey, I want to welcome everybody today. So glad that you're in church and you're like, no, we're not in church. Yes, you are. Your house has become a church. It's church at home. You've become the pastor of your living room. And uh, so I just empower you today to pastor your living room well, um, to lead well. We're so glad that, that you're with us today. No matter where you're joining us from, I want to talk to you today about the power of Jesus. You know, all throughout history, um, whenever the church faced something or when in the New Testament, Old Testament, when someone was facing them, they were in a need, they were under pressure, they always looked to God because they realized that God had the power. We talked about that the very first week, that God is all powerful. I want to encourage you around that thought today. And I went to a, a text in the scripture because these are the original um, quarantine. These, these are the OG social distancing people of the New Testament. And so Luke chapter 17, if you have a Bible, if not, It'll be on the screen for you there. Luke chapter 17, verse 11, we're going to read through 17, says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest and as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And that's important because Samaritans and Jews didn't really get along. You may remember the story of the woman at the well. And she said, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? And so this guy broke the social norm in order to come back and give thanks to Jesus. And Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. In other words, didn't everybody get a miracle? Didn't everybody get healed? And he says, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? And verse 18 says this, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. One translation says, your faith has made you whole. So, Nine got healed, one got whole. 
And so I want to talk to you about the power of God. And even in seasons like this, we, we see these lepers and, and they were the outcast of society is what you need to know about them. They were, the, they were the people that nobody wanted to be around. Matter of fact, Jewish law and ceremonial law re- required that they, they stay outside of, of community. They kind of stay outside of the city. This would be why they were at the gate, why they were at the entrance whenever Jesus entered into the village. This would be why these were the first people that he saw, not like inside the community because they had leprosy. They had to stay away from people. They, they were the original social distancing. They, they were quarantined out from everybody. They, they couldn't be around society. So if you think about it, they had a need that was great. They had um, financial needs because now they had no employment. They had social needs because they couldn't receive a hug. They couldn't receive a touch. They couldn't be in communication with their family. They had social needs. They, they had physical needs. Obviously, they had leprosy they needed to be healed from. They had spiritual needs in their life because you were not meant to do life alone. You need people. So now they were ostracized from everything and here they are so desperate and Jesus comes walking into the village and Jesus is a rabbi and he's a teacher and he's a spiritual leader and he of all people were not to be around these kind of people. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus breaks all the norms of what religion wants you to do and what culture wants you to do and what everybody else around you wants you to do. Jesus walks into the messiest of situations. And, and I just want to encourage you today that with this, if you're a note taker, write this down. Number one is this, Jesus always shows up. Jesus always shows up. The Bible says that he was walking on the border between Samaria and Galilee and he went into this village and the village had 10 leopards. Jesus isn't afraid to show up. You know, people are kind of funny about how they show up. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how people show up. You got the, you got the uh, non-announced show uppers. You know what I'm talking about? Like they just like, they, they knock on your door and they're like, we were in the neighborhood. You're like, I'm in my underwear. Like, I just, I wish they're the non-announcers and they have real no purpose for showing up. They just kind of show up. They just, sometimes they just come and want to sit in your house and you're just like, and like, do do no, we just thought we'd stop by, you know? Um, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that the non, the non-announcer shower uppers. Um, you've got the, you've got the people that show up when things are good right? They, when everything's going your way, they're ready to show up. When, when life is good, when, when all the, everybody's healthy and everything's going your direction, they're the like, when life is good, I'll show up. But man, when life is bad, um, when, when you're in crisis or you're hurting or you're lost the job or you've got something going on or the marriage is falling apart or your children have lost their mind or you're failing the class, they're, they're nowhere to be found because they only show up in the good times. And then you've got, you've got those who those show up with purpose. Like if I'm, if I'm coming over your house, I got a reason I'm coming over your house. I don't, I don't have time to waste. I'm not coming just to twiddle my thumbs with you on the couch or I'm, I'm going to show up with a purpose. And this is how Jesus shows up. I think in the text, he shows up with a purpose and it's because Jesus knew the need. He was fully God, but he was fully man. And I think he understood in this village, there are 10 leopards that need a touch from me. He, he, de- he didn't show up to the blind man accidentally. He didn't show up to the well with the woman accidentally. He didn't show up when the woman caught in the act of adultery is brought accidentally. He didn't show up at Martha and Lazarus house accidentally. Jesus doesn't stumble upon needs. Jesus shows up in the middle of needs always. 
And I just want to encourage you because some of you, you find yourself in this moment in a financial crisis maybe, or you find yourself in a social crisis, or you find yourself in a spiritual crisis, and maybe your faith in the moment is, is being shaken because you're living in uncertainty and you don't know what the future holds, and when is America going to get back to work, and when are they going to start opening things again, and I own a small business, and now that can't run now, and, and there's so much uncertainty around your life, and you're thinking, where is God in the middle of this? And I just want you to know that Jesus walks in and he shows up in the middle of crisis and painful moments. You know, I was thinking about this and I thought about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is, is begging out to God. They're under pressure, they're in a crisis, they're in a moment of pain and a need and, and, and they're crying out to God, but God doesn't talk to Israel, God talks to Moses. He goes to Moses and he says, Moses, my people are crying out to me, and so I want you to go and remove them. So God didn't give them the answer. He started talking to Moses. He, he didn't respond to them and go, it's gonna be okay, nation of Israel, I got you. I got a guy over here. He's been away for 40 years, but I'm bringing him back and he's been in the desert and he knows how to operate in the desert because I'm about to bring you into the desert. You're gonna do some traveling. He's learning how to find water. He's learning how to do food in the desert. I've been training him for 40 years. He's gonna come get you. No, they're crying out and it looks like God isn't answering. But just because God isn't talking to you doesn't mean God isn't talking to your solution. And so I just want you to have confidence in the middle of this that just because you may be like, I don't hear God in this and I don't feel God in this doesn't mean that God isn't actively working on your solution in this moment. That the God of the universe is always working on your behalf because the God of the universe always shows up. And you may have wished he'd have shown up last week, but I'm just telling you, when he shows up, it's always the right time. It may not be in your time, but it's always the right time because he always shows up in the middle of our mess. I, I look at Psalms 139, seven through 10. It says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Here's what he's saying. On your best days when you're righteous and when you're really unrighteous, wherever I go, I can't escape you. I just want to say to some of you, you think when I'm at the bar, God's not there. No, he's there. He's only there with me when I'm in church. Whenever I'm sleeping around, he's not there. No, you can't escape the presence of God because he shows up on your best days and he shows up on your worst days. He shows up on your most righteous days and he shows up on your most sinful days because Jesus shows up. David goes on to say, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Listen to this, your right hand will hold me fast. The right hand in the Old Testament is the hand of blessing. It is the hand that the father would lay on the son. It is the hand that steadies. It's the hand of strength. It is the hand of power. And David said, God, it's with your right hand that you're holding me fast. It's not with your weak hand, God, as if God has a weak hand. But he's saying, you got me with your strong hand. You've got me with the strength of your right hand, God. You're holding me. I just want you to be encouraged today that Jesus shows up. Just be encouraged today. Just, I pray for somebody that, that, that would just sink in your spirit. I feel God in this moment. That it would just sink in your spirit that Jesus shows up. He's showing up in the middle of your circumstance. I know that fear is trying to get in and anxiety is trying to get in and 
and hopelessness is trying to get in, but Jesus is showing up and he is showing out. And he may not be giving you the answer, but he is working on the answer. Because as the old pastor of the the 19th century said, I think it was Charles Spurgeon said, when you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. When you can't see the hand of God moving, you can trust the heart of God that he's for you and that he's with you, that he's not against you. And I just want you to know that he's showing up. He's showing up in all the middle of all this craziness. I'm getting stories every day of how Jesus is showing up and he's showing out in the middle of all this. So just be be encouraged. Jesus shows up. Just like in that village, he's showing up for you in this moment. Number two, if you're a note taker, Jesus is drawn to needs. Their need created their desire to cry out to the master. Their need created their desire to cry out to the master. If they had not had leprosy, they would not have been at the gate of the village and they would have not encountered the power of Jesus in the way that they did. Because when you have no need, you have no need for God to move. But the presence of a need demands the presence of a miracle. And some of you are in the middle of this going, but I got all these needs. Where's God in the middle of this? And, and why, why is this happening to me? And where's all this going? No, no. I want to flip your perspective on the need. Jesus is drawn to needs. So your need could be the catalyst for you to experience the power of God in your life in a way that you never have because the, the, the presence of the need demands the presence of Jesus in the middle of your life. And so these needs doesn't mean that God is far away from you or distant from you. No, it could be the greatest opportunity for you to deepen your faith in God because in the middle of the need, you position yourself for a miracle. Nobody else in that village needed healed from leprosy. And I'm not saying that God put leprosy on them and it was the will of God. And I'm not saying that your job loss or the challenge you're having or the marriage issue or the financial issue or the thing you're dealing with, or I'm not saying that, that your, your heart's heavy because you're not gonna have the graduation you've worked for 12 years for. And, and I'm not saying the hardship of your kids being home and you're trying to figure out how to be a working family. I'm not saying God threw all that on you. I'm just trying to say in the middle of it, don't miss that a miracle could walk right in to your house and you miss it if your eyes aren't open to see because a miracle walked into the village, but it only walked in because there was a need. There were other villages, but there was a need in this village. And so the presence of the need demands the presence of Jesus. And I just want to say to you that if you'll flip the script and you'll adjust your perspective, that it is in the middle of needs that Jesus does his greatest work. And I would say it's our need that Jesus is drawn to. He's, he's attracted to need. And some of us, we, we live this Christian life where we just try to paint a picture that we have no needs. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying we shouldn't live full of faith and full of hope. But I am saying that there's a God that goes, hey, just tell me what you need. Tell me what you need. I'm drawn to need. There's nothing wrong with getting up and going, God, I need strength for the day. I've got to live a new normal. I need your strength. You know what? He's going to meet you in the middle of that need because he's drawn to needs. God, I, I, don't, 
I don't, I don't have enough margin in my finances for what I think is coming in the future, God. I, I don't know. The company's saying this and saying that, and the messages are mixed. I don't know, God. God, I need, I need a peace that passes understanding. You just let him know what you need. The Father already knows what you need, but man, he loves to hear you tell him. There's nothing that, that fills my heart more than when my kids have a need and they voice it to me and I have the ability to meet the need. I don't meet all the wants. <laughs> but if they've got a need, I'm just telling you the Father loves to hear your need because he's drawn to needs. And some of you, you're, you're in, you could fill in the blank, my need is. Maybe right now it, you'd be so vulnerable in the chat room that you would just say, my need, here's my need right now. We have pastors in there who want to pray for you. Our team wants to pray for you right now and believe God with you. If you have a need we can meet, we want to be a part of meeting that need. But you would just say, this is my need. You know what? God loves to hear that because he's drawn to a need. He's drawn to a need. If these leopards had never had leprosy, they never would have encountered the miracle. You don't get to see the power of God in places where the power isn't needed. The presence of the need demanded the presence of Jesus. I believe that God's giving us an opportunity in this season, church, to experience the presence of Jesus like you never have before. Well, I need to be in the room and the lights and the... No. He wants to meet you in your living room. He wants to meet you in your kitchen wants to meet you in your car. He wants to meet you wherever you are right now. I think God's giving us a little break for you to learn how to encounter him on your own. When you declare your need, God, I've got a need. Presence of a need demands the presence of Jesus. Jesus is drawn to needs. Jesus is drawn to needs. I think about this verse in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, one of my favorite, says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Uh, another translation says it like this. It says, and the eyes of the Lord are looking, it's probably the King James I grew up on, King Jimmy, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro. That's how I know it's King James, fro. Who says fro? Everybody thinks they're talking about hair. No, it means it's looking around, right? The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro, looking for who he can show himself strong on their behalf. What does that tell me? That my God is scanning the earth going, who can I, whose life can I show up in? He's just looking for a candidate and, and, and you could be the candidate if you would just go, God, I've got a need. God, here's my need. God, here's what I, you immediately become nominated as the candidate for the miracle working power of God to move in your life. The necessity of the, presence of Jesus was because they had a need, a need. Number three, if you're writing things down, is this, is Jesus saw them. So not only does Jesus show up and not only is Jesus drawn to needs, but Jesus saw them. I love this. The text actually says it this way. It says he was going into the village. And then in verse 14, it says, when he saw them, he said, when he saw them, can I just say to you, Jesus sees you. I just want you that to sink into your heart. Jesus sees you. He, he wasn't so busy. He, he didn't have the entourage of the disciples, which he did. The, the, and many people would travel with him. And so there was, there was this massive group that often would, would move around with Jesus. But, but it wasn't like what you see today, where it's like the entourage is there to protect the person from 
touching anybody. No, no, no. The entourage with Jesus, he, he, he saw past the disciples. He saw past the crowds and he would look to the individual. He would look to the person. He would walk through a crowd where people were bumping him and, and hitting him. And, and it was so congested that, that in one account it said, who touched me? The disciples said, Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? There's, there's so many people around you. Everybody's touching you. And he said, no, somebody touched me in a special way. And it was a woman with the issue of blood. And one encounter with Jesus, her touching the hem of his garment completely healed her body, which she had had a disease for 12 years. Because it didn't matter if there were masses of people, Jesus had a way of seeing the one person. And some of you may be thinking, well, my needs aren't big enough for Jesus. He's got a lot to deal with world pandemic and <laughs> keeping the globe spinning on its axis and gravity and things that are kind of big deals. Can I tell you something? The cross demonstrates to us that there is no bigger deal to Jesus than you. The cross demonstrates that there is no bigger deal in the life of Jesus than, than you. He would have died for you if you'd have been the only one. He'd have given his life for you and greater love has no one than they would lay down their life for a friend. So I just want you to know Jesus sees you. He sees you and he loves you. He, he sees you and his heart is moved towards you with compassion. And he doesn't, he doesn't see the, the good you. He sees all of you. He just doesn't, he doesn't see the facade you. He sees all of you and still as his heart is moved to compassion towards you. He doesn't just see the, the Sunday you, the got it all together, to the work you, the school you. He doesn't see the performing you for everybody around you. He sees the real you, the mess, the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the anxiety, the fear, the sin. He sees all of you. He sees you. Not only to see you, though, but he speaks to you. He said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. So I just want you to, I want you to hear this, that... God not only sees you in this moment, but if you will attune your ear, God is speaking to you in this moment. The Spirit of God is speaking to you in this moment. Some of you, the greatest gift you may get in this season is that it has caused you to throttle back a little bit so the voice of God can speak into your life. Because God just doesn't see you, but he said to them, he doesn't see you, he speaks to you. And he speaks to you. He speaks to you to draw you close. He's speaking to you through this message right now. Speaking to you through worship. He's speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. Speaking to you through the word of God. The word is power and it's life. And God is speaking to you. I, I was thinking of some of the ways, some of the verses that I would propose God is speaking to you. And maybe you can take these and make them your own. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Man, that, that is a word God is speaking to many of you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's saying that to you. And all that he's waiting on you is to respond to the word and obey the word. Psalms 59.1, this is, this is a word someone needs today that God is speaking to. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. 
Some of you just, that's, that's what you need to just like take away right now. Isaiah 59, one, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save you, nor is his ear deaf to hear you. So he's hearing you and he will rescue you. That's the word you need to know right now that he is saying to you. He sees you and he is speaking to you. Proverbs 18.10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. That's, what, that's the word some of you need right now. We taught that to our kids when they were little, they'd have bad dreams. We would say, the name of the Lord, he's a strong tower and I can run to him for safety. Some of you need to know that. You need to know right now that God is a strong tower. And that doesn't mean anything to us in 21st century America. But man, 2,000 years ago, if you had fortified walls but weak towers, then you could get picked off by the enemy that wanted to overtake your town. And so a strong tower matters. From a strong tower, you can have a long lookout. You know what David was saying is, God, you're standing in the lookout tower. It's strong. I don't have any concern that it'll get down. And you're looking out ahead into my future. You know what tomorrow holds. You know what the next day holds. You know what a month from holds uh, from now. You know what a year holds from now. You know what's going to happen in every area of my life beyond because you see my past, you see my present, and you're in the tower looking out to my future. And so I'm just going to set in the safety of the tower of my God because he is my, my refuge. God's not only seeing you, but he's speaking to you. If you're listening, he's speaking to you now. I love Psalms 91, verse 9 through 3. Man, every week I've been talking to you about Psalms 91. I hope you've been like reading it over your life, declaring it. I encourage you last week, declare it over your life. Psalms 91, 9 through 13 says, If you, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. You don't live in a tent, I hope. If you do, call us. We want to help you. That's talking about your house. I tell you, I've been declaring that over my, no harm will overtake me and no disasters coming near my house. And I'll just say, I'm not talking about the Floyd household. I'm talking about the LifePoint house. I've just been declaring that over your life. I've been praying that, that nothing will come against you. No disaster is going to come against you. Nothing's going to overtake you. Nothing's going to harm you. I've been praying that for you. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up your hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the copra and the corona and you will trample the great lion and the servant. Come on, I'm just speaking that over your life and believing the word of God is power and the word of God is speaking. God is speaking to you. The voice of God is speaking. I don't know what that sounds like. I don't know what that, God speaks in that still small voice. God speaks through his word. God speaks through other people in your life. God is speaking to you because he sees you. Some of you, what he's saying is, is I love you. I just want you to know I love you. Some of you, he's saying, I got you. Don't worry, don't fear, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed, I've got you. Some of you, he's saying, get out of yourself and love somebody else. Some of you, he's saying, is, is fear doesn't need to be your master, let faith rise in your heart. Some of you, he's saying, you need to help your neighbor. It's the spirit of God speaking to you. Some of you, he's saying, you you need to give your time. Some of you, he's saying, I want you to worship me. I, I want you to pray. I want you to open the word of God. But make no mistake about it, God is speaking. So not only does Jesus show up, not only is he drawn to need and 
Not only does he see you and he speaks to you, but finally we see that Jesus made a way. He made a way. Here's the deal. It's one thing to know that Jesus can. It's another thing to know that he will. I think some of us think, of course, Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants to do. But it's another thing to believe that he will. But here's what I want you to notice about the text. Jesus, in this instance, didn't lay hands on them and say, be healed, you're cleansed. He gave them an instruction. He gave them something to obey. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. So it was an act of trust to begin walking towards the priest, which was against the law. They were ceremonially unclean. They were outcast but they're going to walk right into the village to the synagogue in the center. The synagogue would have been placed in the center of social life. So they were going to walk right into the village, all the looks, all the, what are you doing? All of the get out of here. There's leopards, everybody scattering, everybody running. They had to have the trust in the word of God to then obey it. And when they obeyed it, I don't know, if it was five steps and the skin started clearing. I don't know if it was 20 steps and the skin. I don't know if they got to the steps of the synagogue and finally it went away. I don't know if they walked in it before it all went away. But all I know is the word from Jesus made a way for them to be healed. It made a way for a miracle. But if they'd have stayed outside the village, they would die leopards. Not because the power wasn't available, but because their obedience was lacking. And for some of you today, you know that God is speaking. You're just not sure you want to do what he's saying. And I'm just telling you, it's not a lack of power on God's part. I have found it's often a lack of obedience on our part. Why isn't God doing miracles like he did back then? Oh, he is. He's doing it in those who are willing to say yes. Why isn't God moving in my life right now in the way that I want him to? It could be that he has spoke. You have not yet obeyed. The miracle didn't happen because Jesus said something. It happened when they did something. So you're a candidate for a miracle if you have a need. But I don't want you to think that Jesus may just show up and sprinkle some pixie dust on you. He's probably gonna give you a word. Go show yourself to the priest. Wash the dirt off of your eyes. Remove the stone from in front of Lazarus' grave. Over and over again, the miracles in the Bible were preceded by an instruction, by a word from God. And when they obeyed the word, they got to see the miracle. I love this verse in Luke eleven twenty eight. Said Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word and they obey. I don't feel like it. 
I'm sure they didn't feel like going to see the priest. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm sure it didn't make sense to break all the laws of the day, social laws, cultural laws, mosaic laws, but they did it anyways. Listen to me, choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. You obey God and God will hold true to his word and he will bless you. Let me give you one more thought. I mentioned it at the beginning. Not only did Jesus make a way, but he made one of them whole. Nine got healed, one was made whole. It's because of this. You can be healed on the outside, but still broken on the inside. Your flesh can look good, but your spirit be broken. What this guy that came back to thank Jesus got wasn't just healed skin, he got made whole from the inside out. And as we close today, for some of you, that's the step that you need to take is that you know that you're not healed on the inside, that you're not whole on the inside. And can I tell you the greatest miracle that Jesus does isn't blinded eyes open and it's not the dead being raised and it's not God parting the Red Sea through Moses and it's, it's not all these wonderful stories that you read about. They're amazing and the power of God is still working today just like that. But the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did was that he made a way, not for our leprous skin to be healed, but for our sins to be forgiven is that he made a way by hanging on the cross and shedding his blood. His blood could wash away all of your sin, past, present, and future. And he didn't just die, but he went into a tomb that was borrowed because he didn't need it very long. Because three days later, he would rise from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was. The son of God with the power to remove the sins of the world. And the way that you receive this forgiveness of sins is by faith alone in Christ alone. It's not in your religious effort. It's not if you've been confirmed or if you went to Sunday school or it's not if you try better and and hope that your good will outweigh your bad. Listen to me, I've read the book, There Are No Scales in Heaven. Your good won't be weighed against your bad. The only thing that will be weighed is what did you do with the person of Jesus? What'd you do with the free gift of salvation that he offered? The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. And we all know that we have an appointment with death. That's it's not anything new. But it says the wages of our sin is death. That's not just a physical death, it's a spiritual death. And it means that, that the wages is an eternal separation from a loving God. And God never meant it that way. It's not his design. His design was the garden. It's a relationship with God. It was no sin. It was no sickness, no viruses. And when sin entered the world, it's been destroying things ever since. It's been destroying our creation. It's been destroying relationships. Sin has been destroying the image that God wants you to know that you have. It's been destroying and giving us insecurities and shame and the enemy's been getting his grip on so many areas of our life. But Jesus made a way where you don't have to live that way. He came to give you life. He said it like this in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and you can have it to the full. 
And the way that you receive that life, that verse said that I was on a minute ago, said for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life and it's found in Jesus alone. It's not found in how much money you have in the bank. It's not found in how good you are to the poor. All those things are wonderful. It's found in Jesus alone. The apostle Paul penned these words in Romans 10, nine and 10. He said, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What will I be saved from? I'll be saved from the penalty of my sin. So in just a moment, we're gonna pray together. I wanna give you the opportunity to receive the greatest gift because Jesus made a way for you. And Jesus not only wants to heal the things in you, he wants to make you whole from the inside out. Some of you today, you need a new beginning. You need a fresh start. You need to know that the God of the universe loves you. He's got a plan for you. And he's made a way for you to be saved. And I just really feel the presence of God in this moment. And so no matter where you are, you're in a living room, you're in a kitchen, you're in a bedroom, you're at your office, you're on the other side of the world from us, God set this moment up for you right now because Jesus shows up. Shows up in the moments that you need him the most. And some of you, you're, you're, I just sense some of, there's somebody that you're on the edge of just giving up hope maybe even given up on living. And, and this today is Jesus showing up. And he's on a rescue mission like he was with these 10 lepers. And he's not only gonna heal the things that you think are the issue, he's gonna make well the thing that is really the issue. And that's that you need a relationship with God. So if you would pray with me, no matter where you're viewing from today, The Bible said that we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. We confess him as Lord of our life with our mouth and that's how we receive salvation. And so I just want you to pray this simple prayer. There's nothing magical about it, but if you believe it from your heart to God's heart, then on the authority of God's word, not my word, you will be saved. So would you pray this with me? Just say, Jesus, I need you. I thank you for showing up in my life today. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.